Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. We are recording our 2020 health episode at Renegade Fit Camp with none other than Nick Hardwick and his better half, Jamie Hardwick. I can't tell you guys how excited I am to have you on Digital Hospitality. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. So happy to be here. So part of, if you're new to this show, part of my job and our team's job is every single week we are pursuing our thesis. And our thesis in digital hospitality is that no matter what business you're in, no matter what product you sell, you need to find a way to have a digital presence. Yes. And that digital presence is so vital from 2020 and moving beyond. Uh, we are very fortunate as a single unit sports bar and restaurant in Spring Valley that we were able to essentially create a media company, which is why we're here today. And one of the things that I admire is anybody that is thinking differently in this day and age. And Renegade Fit Camp, Finding Center, more specifically, which is the podcast, I just just today heard the podcast between you and your wife. Oh, it was so much fun. It was the first time having her on. That was episode 13 or 14, I think. So we wrapped up a season. So basically, Finding Center podcast, we put out 12, 13 episodes. I forget where we're at. And it was a pilot to see if it was going to have any traction, if people cared, if they wanted to listen, and to prove its kind of viability moving forward. So now we have wrapped up the season with Jamie and I's episode, which was super fun. And I just listened to it right before we got here. <laughs> and she is an absolute riot. And her personality, of course, really stood out on there. And it is viable. And we're going to continue with season two, but we're going to amp it up a little bit more. Well, so one of the things that I, I'm a huge fan of, The Alchemist, the book, which is written by Paolo Coelho and talks about the universe speaking to you. And today, I've been, it's been a long time I've been trying to get you on the podcast um, to hear your story. But more importantly for me as a husband, um, knowing how much my wife supports me, to know that you guys are both bold enough to not just share your story as you've transitioned from the NFL into media into owning a business, into being a media company by producing a podcast, but by sharing that journey along the way with your wife. And uh, Jamie, I know that you are kind of the inspiration behind the Instagram account, um, kind of his transition from the NFL. Can you tell us how long is this, not just the podcast, but just the idea of really publishing your personal life on the internet? Um, how long have you guys been thinking about that? So it all started when Nick decided, well, he didn't really decide. He got injured in the first game of his 11th season, thank you. And he knew at that point that he wanted to lose weight and regain some of his health because he played at 300 pounds for his entire career and he was just ready to shed some of that weight and kind of reinvent himself. So that was in September where the injury happened. Yeah, week one. And he made a commitment to himself that he was gonna lose as much weight as possible. Well, when Nick commits to something, he is all in. So quickly, I wanna say in about- Sometimes a little bit too all yeah, in. He's, fast anything he's very extreme. So in about four months, he was down 85 pounds. And we were laying in bed one night watching- how, Four months, 85 pounds? Yes. Four months. Yes. So how did you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To cut. No. How, how did you possibly cut that much weight? Okay, so while I was playing, I was taking in about six, seven thousand calories a day. 
just six to seven thousand calories a, a ridiculous day. amount of food every single day. I tell the story and people get pissed at me <laughs> is laying in bed at night as the final amount of calories that I take in. I would have a pint of Ben and Jerry's and we had an entire freezer <laughs> stocked, just lined up and down with every multitude of flavor that you could possibly have. What was your go-to? Ben and Jerry's. Uh, Chubby Hubby's really good. Chubby. Chunky Monkey, super good. <laughs> Jerry Garcia was kind of back shelf. Caramel Sutra. Okay. I mean, there's so many that there's, are just, so it's many. so good. Okay. And so every night was finished off with 12 to 1400 calories of Ben and Jerry's sitting in bed, which. Which is really fun as a wife, not trying to. <laughs> To, you know, become the hard part yeah. about that all was do I turn the spoon over in my mouth and like get real obnoxious <laughs> with how I want to eat the ice cream, or do I just act like it's all business here? It's like, babe, just gotta put the calories down. But it was, I would wake up at 4 15 in the morning to get to work, to get the workout in, to sit in the hot tub, to do all of the film study before the actual meeting started. That at 4.15, I was choking down two 300-calorie protein now, bars. Now, was this all offensive linemen, all defensive no. linemen? No, some that... people are naturally built more for the job. Uh -huh. I, I showed up to college, and I weighed 195 pounds. I was in Marine Corps ROTC, high and tight, tucked-in shirt, Jeans probably a little too tight and a little too short. And wearing them with this dress. This isn't the Nick that Jamie. This met. is not the Nick. The Nick that she met. No, she met cool Nick. Okay. I was cool I was Nick. doing Marine Corps Nick, and I showed up at 195 pounds, and I ended up getting up to 230 as like just putting on weight. I had suppressed myself during high school as a wrestler. I cut 48 pounds my senior year. So I think I just suppressed my growth and stunted my growth a little bit. So when I get to college, I was 195 and I just took off and I just started growing and I grew another inch or two and then just put on 35 pounds before I ended up my fourth semester walking onto the football wow. team. So then, is, it, then it was just a that's staggering- some serious, serious stress. Oh my goodness. On your body. Oh yeah. And then once I walked on, I put on another 50 pounds within about five months so I could move to defensive line where they moved me at 230 pounds. Wow. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't understand about Nick is he's always been like a master body manipulator. Like he okay. can lose 50, he can gain 50 real quick. So for him losing that 85 in four months was not crazy. It was just what he had done in the past. Yeah. Right? I, I knew what I was doing, yeah. and I, I devised a little plan that I came up with, not recommended to anybody out there watching or listening. This is not doctor recommended. And I've, I have passed along this diet to multiple people now who have asked me, but only ones that I knew could handle it. So there's a couple of Naval Academy offensive and defensive linemen. There was like six of them in this group who reached out to me. One was from San Diego, and he asked, how did you lose the weight? Give me the diet because once their playing time is done at the academy playing football, they have to quickly get within military regulations. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a real quick amount of time that they've got to lose the weight. So I came up with this plan that was like essentially controlled starvation over the four months. And you have four meals one day, two the next day, three the following day, and one the day after that. Every one of those meals is about 600 calories with wow. unlimited veggies. So on the one day you're having 600 calories. So when you think about it, I was having 7,000 calories and I go down to 600 calories oh on certain God. days. 
weight is literally falling off of you. So I was losing two, three pounds a day. You were losing your husband. Oh my gosh. She was Rapid, rapidly. You were, you were literally losing your <laughs> rapidly. husband. There was a yes. point where you, there was a point where you did, you were like, this is too much. You're too yeah. skinny. I don't like the feel of you. Yeah. And how old are the kids at this point? They were little. They were, I want to say two and one. Two and one. Yeah. Because so it was that, about. That's very important time. Yeah, or three and one. That's the time that I'm going through right now. Okay. My, my daughter's six months old. My son is two and a half. So it's, I mean, we're talking about the time of like everything is craziness. Oh yeah. You're it's in absolute. it. I'm in it. Yeah. You are. I'm at, the fact that I'm here is a miracle. Yeah. Right? <laughs> my, wife, <laughs> my, wife, right. my wife is amazing. Are you okay? Man? <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Seriously. What happened? Is everything okay? Totally. And so right when he was kind of transitioning out of football, we were, we were in the thick of those child kind of rearing years where you're not sleeping full nights, yes. you know, all attention is on these two little humans you're trying to keep alive. Um, yeah. And so he went through this massive kind of body transformation. And while we were in bed one night, we were watching ESPN and Tony, Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. Pardon goes. the interruption. Yeah. Yeah. Had made an accusation and said, look at Nick Hardwick. This is just another example of offensive linemen using PEDs. Nobody can you, nobody can lose this much weight in a short amount of time naturally. And yes, he, yeah. which is not at all how that works, by the way, Tony. So he should have done a little <laughs> bit of research. Like weight loss has nothing to do with that. But wow. the accusation and sitting there in bed with her and, of course, having an alter yes. ego prior and uh, got really inflamed, like really irritated about it and wanted to jump on Twitter, which was kind of, I guess, my main platform at the time, although I didn't regularly use it when I played, just... I knew, but better. you knew that you had a voice on Twitter, and that yes. you could have easily, quickly responded. That was, and that was my initial reaction in an alpha male like, type of way. I'm going to come back at totally. him right now. Right. I'm going to show that was this knee jerk. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going right? to tell this dude what's up. And she kind of looks at me and is like, "Hey, did she no, stop? No, no. You? Like physically yeah. stop you? Yeah, she's like, hey, you were typing. That's not how. That's not how we're going to do this. What did you type? I didn't type anything. I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> brewing in my head, like, what am I going to say to come back at this dude? And she's like, no, no, no let's just show everybody how you lost weight. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, we'll do this Instagram thing. And because I, I always miss everything. Like I miss Facebook in college <laughs> by a couple of years. Never really used that. Don't know how to use that that well. Missed Instagram in the league by just like a year or two. And she's like, hey, let's use this Instagram deal. And so I was like, all right, cool. And so basically she has taken control of our Instagram account from day one. And a lot of it was based on Tony Kornheiser and his accusations that I was an overstuffed Purdue chicken. Overstuffed is, is how Purdue he said chicken. it because I went to Purdue. So it's real cheeky that he yeah. threw in Purdue chicken. So every yeah. alpha male needs a villain. That, that, that's only adds fuel. To yeah. So it's Tony, right? but now of it's course I'm thankful. Now I'm thankful. thankful. Now I'm just right? thankful that he threw that out because it really steered and gave me direction to my retirement and here we are in a gym that we're now part owners in. I mean, that's that's the thing that I, I mean, I, I know that this digital hospitality, it, it's transformation. I mean, literally you knew in your heart that Instagram was the answer. Why, why did you, why to share the story? Um, mostly because I think aside from Tony, Tony, I can't even say his name. Tony Kornheiser. Kornheiser. (laughs) Sorry, that's a mouthful for me. Um, Besides him, there were other people, teammates and just friends that were all kind of in awe of what he was going through, both kind of physically, you know, externally, but also inside as well, because transitioning, as you know, into another 
kind of career and putting one thing down is a huge undertaking. Sure. You know? So instead of kind of keeping it all inside and going through it silently, I think using the platform of Instagram to put pictures and information out there, it allowed us to share our story and let people know, you know, you're not alone in this. Transitioning is very hard. Oh, it's brutal. And here's some steps that we've taken that maybe have worked or maybe have not. And it was just a really open and honest way for us to convey our story. It's I mean, that's the that's the most incredible thing is once you realize that it's not just it's not it's not your story. You're you're sharing something that could be of use to somebody else, someone else that's struggling. Right. You know, and that's the coolest thing, you know, watching it from afar, watching you know, you transform from the person that I was watching as a season ticket holder, you know, every Sunday holding LT up in the end zone with you and Clary. Oh, so fun. Incredible, you know, just absolutely incredible. But then to know, you know, Derek Marsa, who's my host, my co-host on Behind the Smoke, um, you know, being fortunate to watch him hear about his story about playing the NFL, talking to Shane Walton, who was drafted in the NFL but got injured, Um, Jeremy Clary, who's been, you know, nice enough to have me into his home, me and my wife. This is a serious issue that happens to all professional athletes. Oh yes, you know this this thing that happens. We, you know, you 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 work your whole life, not even your whole life. I mean, you you had a, a part of your life that you dedicated to becoming a professional athlete, and once that time is over, whether it's when you decide it, or whether when your body decides it, or whether when the team decides That's it, right. um, that happens. That doesn't just happen to you; it happens to the family. You know, and there's that context that happens that you hear about all the terrible things, you know, being a San Diego sports fan, watching what happened to Junior Seau and, you know, CTE and all these things that are coming out. What kind of impact did the retirement have, not just on the house, but once the weight loss happened, talk about the the next stage. You know, it, it's an incredible to, to, to You know, lose. the thing that's interesting, and I'll tie in the weight loss, so not just after the weight loss, but the weight loss itself, I think is really critical. And I talked to a former teammate today about this because he's a big man and he's still a big man and he identifies that way. You know, I've always been this way and I like being looked at a certain way and he likes being talked to a certain way because he feels like he's bigger and people just out in public treat him a certain way. For me, it was really important to lose the weight because it helped me realize that I may want to do that still, and there's no way that I could possibly still go out on that field and protect a quarterback or fight alongside these guys because those guys would destroy me. Yeah, My knees would explode if I tried to stop one of their bull rushes at this point. So for me, it was a big part of shedding that former identity, which is really what happens when you're transitioning out of something so massive as that and other people in any other career transitioning out also have this it just happens early in a professional athlete's life transitioning out of the military could happen pretty quickly and it's a real strong identity i am a marine or i am a sailor or whatever you are i was and even though i tried to fight it i was a football player I I became a professional football player, like through and through. Although I tried to say, I'm Nick Hardwick who plays professional football. I was Nick Hardwick, a professional football player. And when you lose that identity, it's almost like you lose your soul and you lose direction and you 
your decision-making corridor that you were once in that was very simple, very yes and very no, very, am I going to, if I do what I think I'm gonna do right now, if I make this choice, am I gonna be a better teammate or a worse teammate? Am I gonna be a better center or a worse center? If the answer is you're gonna be better, then do it. If the answer is you're gonna be worse, then you say no and you put that down. So that decision-making corridor then goes away. And then you've got endless time, a good amount of resources at your disposal, and you've got way too many choices that you can make. And that to me is the real issue and one of the real issues with transitioning. And then finding passion again, finding purpose again, and kind of re-identifying who you are in the world. It's very challenging. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, you, it's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, but having no idea what to do with your wings. No clue. I mean, but not only that is you've shared on your podcast about coming home, not just at, but at home, like he didn't know how to be a husband. Right. He didn't know how to be a dad. And how did you help him through that? So there was kind of a breaking point where he had lost this weight. He knew very well at 200 pounds he was not going to be a football player. So I feel like he wasn't trying to go back to that life. No. But I think he was floundering because now he's got this hot bod, for lack of a better <laughs> term. Thank you. The hot, the yes. hot bod you fell in love with. I had the six pack. Well, he did. He'd yeah. always been longing for the six pack. So he had that, yet he had no direction. Yeah. And so it was. One day in the kitchen, and again, we had the very young children, so you know, you're, oh, sorry, it, you're kind of chaos. frazzled, it's chaos. Absolutely. And he came home and he said, I'm moving to Nicaragua, you can have all our money, all the house. I and said, I'll give, keep me, let me have a million dollars. Oh yeah. One million dollars. You can have everything else and I'm going to Nicaragua. And I was like. And I had never been there. Yeah. And, and had and, no idea what the hell I was going to do in Nicaragua, but I was going to Nicaragua. And you know, my, my initial reaction is you are not leaving me with these two <laughs> infant babies. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Absolutely no. not. 100%. I was like, that sounds like a dream. I'd yeah. love to escape to Nicaragua, jokingly. Uh, right. But that was when I knew that he needed to go talk to somebody. So that was kind of the point that as a family, we chose to go see, you know, an endocrinologist have all of his hormones tested. Um, yeah, all of your numbers yeah. read and kind of like sit down and figure out what the next step was going to be for us. But it was a scary time. And I always say this, if he didn't have me and the kids in a stable financial situation, you know, if it was him coming home one day feeling this kind of way with no support system, who knows what would have happened? Right. You know, what could have happened? And it didn't matter how much money he had. No. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. It has to do with you literally being able to be there and say, this isn't the, you are the man I fell in love with. Right. It and to help nothing. navigate it properly, that's right? super important. So perhaps you would have handled that all wrong, but you handled it all right. Oh, correct. Like you were compassionate, but also stern. So you gave me enough room to get it out, but you also at the same time, like not physically, of course, and not even verbally, but I could tell you're like, you need to get your act together and I'm gonna help you do that, and you allowed me the space to get all those emotions out and to deal with it, but you also like put me in on the right path once again. Yeah. Which, if you don't handle that properly, or you don't have somebody there, like you said, to be able to help you navigate that process. It's huge. Right. It's very and and dangerous. That's, that's one of the powers of why I'm so excited that you guys 
decided to publish a podcast episode together because I learned how you became a better wife to Nick because you were no longer a fan. You became a wife. Right. And he needed that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Tell us need a little that, bit. Need that and then what it also provided, not only the direction, but I guess for me, the reassurance that you're still my man. Yes. And I still love you. And I may have married a guy who was almost 100 pounds bigger. I like you the way you are then, and I like you the way you are now, and we're going to get through this together. And that was a super important moment of reassurance. It's, you're still my man, no matter what you do, you're still my man. And that was everything. Because then you're just like, okay, she does still love me, and she's still proud of me, regardless of what happens from here on out. So now we can move forward. And I think that's the powerful thing too, is because as, as men and women, I mean, as men, I always think of myself as the alpha male and I heard you refer to yourself as the chief fundraiser, which is, <laughs> yeah. which is phenomenal. I think I might steal that. Like, <laughs> literally that's, but that's what it is. Once my wife, I had to let, I had to get out of my own way and understand that our house is her domain. Yes. Literally. I had to get housebroken, which you talk about. Yes. And that makes it, but it makes me a better man. But it's important to have those conversations because those conversations aren't being had pretty much anywhere, at least not publicly. I yes. mean, they might they might happen with best friends. You know, you might go to your best friend and have these conversations, you know, and I'm I'm lucky that Jack Harris, my best friend, has helped me through some very difficult times in like in the last year. But it's so powerful when you say it on a podcast and you share it with the world because maybe there's another NFL athlete or maybe there's a Marine, maybe there's somebody out there that their wife needs to hear that. Yeah. And that's all it takes is for her to say, hey, let's go see an endocrinologist. Let's go see a therapist. Let's go see, let's just, let's investigate what's happening here. Right. Let's push pause, you know, and let's figure out, figure this thing out. Yeah. And know that I'm not leaving anywhere. Because everything's, because, because everything's figureoutable. Because we have these two kids too, right? <laughs> it's all figureoutable. These two kids need you and yes. they're not going to Nicaragua to come see no, you. No, we're, we're <laughs> I not, promise you no. that. I will not sit on a plane for that long with two infants. Correct. No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's the whole deal. It's like, find a way, figure it out. <coughs> it's, you're in a really bad trough right now. That's mm -hmm. basically where I was. And let's find a way to get out of this. And that's the better or worse, right? Commitment. That's, that's yeah. for better or worse. And I think that's lost in society now. Is like, you didn't sign up just for the good times. You didn't sign up just for the great pictures. You didn't sign up for the glory. You signed up for everything. You signed up to be my best friend. And so let's take those really hard moments and now we can look back on those. And those are where you really come together. It's like when you're going through the S together, like on any great team that you've ever been a part of, sure, you remember the moment in 2008 where Darren Sproles hit the walk-off touchdown <laughs> against the Indianapolis Colts. But <laughs> the time, I bet if you ask most guys that they remember, when I think back to my career, the times that I remember being on teams are when you're in the muck, when yeah. it's awful. And when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole and the same goes with every relationship that I've ever been a part of is you can look back when you're feeling good and when you're on the plateau or when you're on the ascent and you can say, look where we came from. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing what we've been able to do since then? And just as a partnership and a team, we can also do those in those when we're having good moments, we can look back at the bad moments and go, those bad moments made us. Yeah. That's absolutely correct. And when you went to the endocrinologist, you get these results. Talk us through how the brain center came about 
through that whole process. Yeah, so the endocrinologist was a completely separate gig. So mm-hmm. that was at the very beginning. And why an endocrinologist? The endocrinologist, I had heard my strength coach uh, when I was very young, beca- I became a really dear friend, friend of his. Mm-hmm. And this was before Jamie had finished school and moved out, and you moved out in 2007 right after we got married, but up until then she was at school. So a lot of my time I spent with my strength coach who was Dave Redding. Mm-hmm. And Dave was one of the first, if not the first strength coach in the National Football League for the Cleveland Browns wow. under Marty Schottenheimer, no who was obviously with us in 04. Yeah. And Dave had warned me a couple of things, but the big one, and he was just so good at seeing and knowing this, and he said, when your career is done, you have to be very careful about your hormones in your body because they are going to fall off the map. And I had not thought about it at all up until that day when I come in and I'm an absolute puddle. And it was like, Dave warned me about this, that this was going to happen. And this was now several months after I had retired in February. We're probably sitting in April at some point. I'd been working at the radio sta- at the radio station at KGB 101.5 and working with Clint every day for two months straight. And I remembered Dave's conversation with me from years ago. I'm <laughs> talking, this was at the beginning of my career and it, and it came up and he said, be careful, your hormones are gonna fall off the chart. And basically what happened when I went and got my blood tested was that I had the male hormones of an 85 year old man. No way. Where, yes, where my testosterone levels were uh, like on the scale, they were an 80, an actual 80, which is like, she had a higher testosterone. She got her blood checked that day too. She had a higher testosterone than I did at the time. Wow. Which of course your brain's not functioning the way it's supposed to. It's functioning like an 85, 90 year old man. And outside of your strength coach, there was nowhere else. The NFL, nobody had no ever, one had, no one nobody ever, told had you ever warned about that fall off wow. because it's so taboo, of course, sure. to talk of about course. To talk to about an NFL players in yeah, the sure. NFL and what the potential dangers are when you retire. And, and nobody, by the way, at the time was at all concerned about your retirement or your transition out of the NFL. That's new. That's an all new thing that the NFL has done a really nice job of recently of concerning themselves with is finding guys and helping them find success post NFL career. So this is all starting to be talked about now, but I think this hormonal issue is one of the last things that's talked about because of course in the NFL, the last thing that you want anybody on is performance enhancing drugs. But what people fail to realize is outside of the NFL, these are not performance enhancing drugs. These Mm -hmm. are something that like I could probably say save my life as I was at an 80 hormone level and near suicidal wanting to move to Nicaragua. Wow. You get your things sorted out and you figure out how to feel normal and stabilized mentally and physically again. And then you can start moving forward and finding more success. But until you stabilize the good luck, you don't have much of a chance. So at, at this point, you guys are getting the results. You're starting to understand 
okay, now we're starting to understand, now we're starting to ask questions. What's the, what's the next step, you know, as a family? Uh, the next step was me being welcomed back to the radio station after I had quit. Yeah. And that day that I, <laughs> the day that I called Clint and I called, I'm my, out. <laughs> I called my boss and said, I'm, I'm not coming back Monday and I'm not coming back any day, anytime soon. And I got a call from the radio station. Thankfully, the program director over at the sports station, Brian Long, called and said, hey, there's an opportunity here to be the field reporter. And this was in the 2015 season. Mm -hmm. Would you like it? I think you could be really good at it. And I said, after kind of coming to my senses and feeling more like myself again, I was like, I'd love the opportunity. Thank you for calling back. I thought I had squandered that one. Yeah. And then at that same time, then I, there was a job opening for a morning sports talk radio show host at extra 1360. And I jumped on that opportunity too. And so that just kind of became my entrance and our entrance into the media world. And Fox five followed after that. And now we do finding center. So it was really, it was like a two kind of prong approach mm -hmm. where he had, he had medication intervention, but then yes. he also had a lifestyle intervention where he threw himself back into something that he was passionate about. Yes. So I think those and two things. And it gave things, me purpose, right. it gave me identity, it gave, gave me a, a schedule. it gave me a reason to wake up in the morning, it gave me a schedule. Parameters, mm -hmm. yes. like he was saying, he had no. And part of that too is like, I felt like a man again with her, like yeah. being able to provide. Yeah. And being able to, and as cliche as it is, put food on the table because we, Chief had, we had the food taken care of, but <laughs> yeah, feeling important again yeah. to my, not only to myself, but feeling important to her. Sure. And that's really important as it, and like one of the driving things in my life is I want to feel really important to my kids and I want to feel really important to Jamie. So having worked at iHeart, um, 1360, having been a color analyst, having been a sideline reporter, now working at Fox 5, what have you learned from the media standpoint as far as what you're passionate about? I like getting people's stories. And I like not standard media stories. I, I like getting people's the juice. Yeah. Like what drives them? What made them? What are those moments as a team that you can pull from what are the, what are your low moments because in the low moments you got a message if you're still standing today you got some type of message sent to you at that moment that says you can move forward you will move forward and you're going to be better because of this i want to know what what that low moment was and i want to know what hit you that has allowed you to survive and allowed you to then thrive after that so that's what i want to get and then as far a lot of stuff that I really like to get to is just finding ways to help people find the health and wellness and success as a family that we've had. And how does the renegade business, because it, for me, it's always fascinating to see, you know, when any professional athletes tries to transition, a lot of people go to media if they're good enough, if mm -hmm. they're talented enough, because that's a very difficult craft and you have to have people around you that support you that show you the way but you also have to want to be there right yes and you have to have the personality for it that's true you also have to have the personality business is something that i'm sure every nfl athlete assumes that they can just get into business right 
<laughs> is that is that <laughs> they warn you about this. They do like, they? Yeah. So the NFL does a really nice job while you're playing, and they did even while I was playing. So they've gotten better at the transition part. But while we were playing, they had entrepreneurial type schools that they mm-hmm. would put you in for two weeks and they did them all over the country and i was thankful to go to one at wharton at university oh, really? of cool. pennsylvania for two weeks some of the smartest professors in the world and the one thing they tell you is <laughs> i wouldn't try to come onto your field <laughs> <laughs> and play professional that, football <laughs> they're like don't try to get into my world and do what i do on a daily basis and so that's i mean as far as renegade goes we're a part of renegade we don't run renegade we don't do the programming it wasn't even our concept what we do and i think the thing that we provide to renegade is and what we'd like to think we provide to renegade is community Mm -hmm. and togetherness and kind of that little fabric but the business is handled by a guy that you'll have to talk to at some point billy billy canoe is his name the canoe group and then the gym itself on a day-to-day basis and all the programming and the mad scientists and the guy who came up with the concept and this is his personality is Jamie Rice. And he's renegade Jamie on Instagram. And, okay. and Jamie's fabulous and this is his baby. And Jamie, my Jamie, found this as like one of the founding members of this thing. I think you were like one of the first 10 or 15 members ever in this place. Really? Yeah, because she was kind of... You were a, uh, you were like a, a gym. Yeah, I call myself a gym whore for <laughs> I didn't want, a better I didn't term. Want to say it, but go ahead. No, I'll go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I could never find something I love to do. I was like, oh, I'll try yoga. I'll do Pilates. Yeah, I'll hip-hop run a dance. marathon. I'll go hip-hop do some hip hop. Yeah. Yes, all of it. Yeah. And I enjoyed all of it. Um, but as a former college athlete, I found this gym on my way to Target, like yep. most moms find things near Target. My wife is big, big into this, this area. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I was driving to Target one day and I saw, you know, the black flag out front and I popped in and said, what's the deal? And they said, well, you can come try three classes for free. And I fell in love, I think, within the first 10 minutes of being in the space. It was just, it was everything that, you know, a former athlete needed mm-hmm. to feel that competitive kind of juice flowing again. Um, it was a great sense of community. You were pushing yourself to go, you know, further, but not competitive with anybody else. And I got home that day, and that was in May. And I told Nick about it, and I was like, dude, I found this gym. <laughs> like, you're going to love it. And Nick, has never been into group fitness. He's always been very intrinsically motivated where he can go in the garage and do everything. I need those people around me pushing. Um, And so from May to October, I talked about this gym that I was frequenting. She's like, dude, you gotta try, you gotta try. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. Oh yeah, sure, sure." definitely. (laughs) And finally in October, I got him in here. October what year? That was three years ago, right? Yeah. So 16? October 16. Was it that? that long yeah 16 or 17 but the deal was for me like the proof was in the pudding so she kept telling me you're gonna love it you're gonna love it i'm like okay sure you've been this gym whore to use your words (laughs) like you've been and then she stabilized at one place cool so that was like a big okay what's going on over there but i saw the results coming out like after two children the back and butt that she was putting on and the shoulders (laughs) and i'm training in the gym and i'm doing okay but Watching her progress through this system was staggering to me. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try. I'm going to give it a try. I came for a class, super skeptical, of course. 
But through all of my years, high school, training basically on my own, college at Purdue with a really top-notch strength coach where I made some massive gains and then through three strength coaches in the NFL, like I came here and I understand through those years what a good program feels like. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I know it. It's almost innate at this point. It's like I know what a good program feels like. So I came on that first day and like she said, it was her jam. It was it was my jam. I'm like, this is it. This is super rad. It's dark. So the There's program, loud music. Yeah, I can tell because I've taken 30,000 body hits. I know if a program's got good balance. Yeah. I know if my body's in alignment. I know if they're teaching correctly. Like, I feel everything. And so I knew the program was very smart, really intelligent. I could see the gains that she was getting coming out. But... The atmosphere was where it was for me. It was like we hadn't been to the club and danced in years, but here we are banging weights, and it felt like I was at the club, and the music's loud, and it's dark in here, and you got the blue lights. And and as as parents, you realize like, oh shit, we used to be young. We used to be cool, <laughs> man. We used to be, used so to be fun. cool. Yeah, this is where you come, and you got the mirrors, and you're moving, and everybody's in sync, and it just felt right it was yeah. like this is i miss this like i miss the gym i miss being with people at the gym and working towards a goal although here it's a little bit more ambiguous like you missed the captain patch i miss yeah and and <laughs> yeah. i missed i missed a, a shared energy and you get that in tight spaces like this where the energy's flying around the room where everybody's pumping as hard as they can and she said it was it's more cooperative than competitive but you're competing with yourself and you're putting out these vibes out into this room and it's just bouncing off the ceiling and the walls and you're just feeling it and you're in that space and it's like recess. Yeah. It's like, recess. it's like, I was, I, I, a, I did great at recess. Adults <laughs> at, class. Oh, dude, <laughs> I dominated adults at recess. I, I dominated. So that's, that's what we found here. So and, that's a tagline. And I, I think like that. a lot of other people have found the exact same thing. It's just, this is how, adults club and how many renegades are there in san diego now so there's three we've got a lease out on four which we're trying to speed that up but it's just that's going to be in pacific beach awesome we're just waiting on the construction to get done over there and that's not on our end it's they're having issues it was an old auto service building and so i think they're having issues yeah. with permitting Internal and issues, kind of getting sure. that done it's like a total makeover so they got a lot of work to do so whenever space or whenever that's done there's kind of a sweet spot. It's like 2,000 to 2,500 square feet. Mm -hmm. Too big and you lose that energetic energy. effect. Yeah. Yeah. So we want that feedback. You don't want the energy to dissipate. And, and so you can go to any. You can right, go to any. Yeah, yeah. You can go to any. Yeah. So we have this one here in Point Loma. We got Hillcrest, Mission Hills, North Park, and we're always looking to expand. But it's kind of finding that right size, that right space in a community center so center finding center yes i know you're a producer probably executive producer of the podcast <laughs> oh yes <laughs> oh yes uh, she so, finds all the guests and like <laughs> reach out to this person so one of the things that i love about <coughs> digital hospitality about podcasting about new media is it's you you go where your curiosity leads you mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the things that's attracted me so much to the podcast that you guys are putting out is that you're putting out conversations with authors, with people that are Navy SEALs, that people that are sleep therapists, um, sleep experts, and somebody that 
absolutely loves the work that Ariana Huffington is doing for Thrive Global. I mean, she started Huffington Post, but she had a major breakdown and it was all based off of sleep. And now she's committed her life to Thrive Global, which is talking about sleep, which nobody's talking about. You guys are talking about sleep in these episodes, um, but they're not just about sleep. You're talking to former NFL athletes. Tell, tell me about Finding Center and the pillars. Family, fitness, food, and football. Which is the Hardwick way. That's, that's life for us. Yes. Yeah, and so it's finding experts in fields that we can talk to, super inter- interesting people, best-selling authors, people that have a novel look at life, or people who have done so much research and spent 20 years. I was re-listening to one of our podcasts this morning with Dr. Sue Kleiner, who was the first sports nutritionist in the National Football League, hired in 91 to the Cleveland Browns under Bill Belichick. No way. Who had it. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick with the Cleveland Browns, who had it in his contract that he was able to develop a sports nutrition, a sports performance nutrition program with the Cleveland Browns. In 91, nobody was talking about nutrition in 91. So he was able to do that. So finding people, and a lot of them come Honestly, Jamie reads a lot. I read a lot. And so it's kind of, hey, reach out to this person. Will they come on? See if they will. And people are just so gracious Ex- with their time. To be asked. Yeah. They're yeah. just, Isn't that crazy? It's really cool. And I think it grew really organically from the Instagram account and us mm-hmm. putting out kind of our lifestyle as a family and, you know, his transition. And then he was able to kind of take his experience in the media roll that over and so now it's like this perfect kind of baby that's been formed yeah Yeah. with his media background and with you know the health stuff that we've become very fascinated with yeah yeah and that's exciting you know wrapping up one season it's always you i mean you said on the podcast this has been four years in the making right that you've been thinking about something like this yes you don't know until you do it, until you jump off the cliff. You don't know like what's going to happen. We're going to hit the rock. You have no idea. Is there going to be a parachute? Is it going to be soft landing, hard landing? And I think one of the, you know, one of the best things to do is, is to start. You know, so once you start, but you do it in the way that you want to do it. You know, and I just finished a book um, by by Brian Grazer, who's incredible. Ron Howard is his partner. They've done thirteen billion dollars worth of films. Yeah. Beautiful Mind. But he talks about curiosity conversations, and it's something that has literally led him to the incredible filmmaking career that he has. But those curiosity conversations, those are essentially podcasts. I mean, he's not producing them as podcasts, but um, you know, now Tim Ferriss interviews him when he writes a book. But we all learn in different ways. You know, whether you're a video, whether you learn visually, whether you learn by audio. Um, and one of the things that I love is it's something that if you're curious about it, and if somebody finds you, then they can learn just like you do. You know, and you guys had a, an incredible author on from Range. Um, the, yeah, David Epstein. David Epstein. Yeah. They, for me, I listen to podcasts and I find books that I want to read because of the authors that have come on. That's right. And t- tell me about David, David Epstein. Oh, please. super rad. So David Epstein wrote The Sports Gene, which was a New York Times number one bestseller. I mean, phenomenal book. And then he followed that up. And this is talking about being curious. He's like, a lot of people wanted me to do another sports book. I didn't want to do a sports book because he's coming to a new place in his life. He's got a baby now. And he wanted to do different things. And this one was called Range, Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. And it's since become a New York Times bestselling book because he's absolutely fabulous. 
And he started, the first chapter was Tiger versus Roger, Tiger Woods versus Roger Federer. And he drew his old crowd into the new book, but then he took us in a completely different direction. And it sat so well with me, it really resonated because as a parent, I think we can get really caught up in trying to throw our kids into the right thing and finding the right outlet for them and putting them in this one sport or this one activity, piano, whatever it may be, and doing that over and over and over again because we hear the 10,000 hour rule. Yep. Well, this book has shown us that the 10,000 hour rule is false. And David Epstein goes at length to prove that to us and to show us through anecdotes that that is not the best way, that the most successful people in the world have dabbled in everything. And then when they find something that they're passionate about, they can take all of these concepts from the fields that they've dabbled in and have not been afraid to change or to deviate. And they have been able to take those concepts and to put them into the one passion that they've got now. And so it just sat so well with me, like my high school to college, to walking on to the NFL, to the media, like everything about it sat so well with me that I had to find a way to get them on. And I was incredibly thankful that he did. I Isn't mean, that incredible? Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. That's the digital hospitality, sending your mission out into the universe and seeing what happens because I had heard about this Tiger versus Federer comparison, and I don't know where I heard it, but it took your interview with him to know that that's the next book I'm going to read because I'm a new dad. You know, and as a new dad, I grew up watching kids get forced into soccer, you know, getting forced like this is the only sport yeah. you're going to play. And some of them were miserable, you know, and oh, I know some, I of the most all the time. some of the most successful athletes, they did have the Federer model, you know, where they were allowed to played multiple different sports. Some of my best teammates were the exact same way as me. Yeah. Antonio Gates. Exactly. College, college yeah. basketball College player. basketball, exactly. Chris Dillman was a defensive lineman and a tight end, and then he moved to left guard. I mean, it's still within the realm of football, but it's... But everyone focuses on the Tiger story because yes. that's, the, that's the miracle story. Yes. And what I loved about... Because he the, came I, to it at two. And what I loved about the interview is you even got him to talk about Mozart, which everyone assumes that Mozart was a brilliant pianist that, you know, obviously his father probably made him Mozart. But really, it wasn't even that way. You know, exactly. and I don't want to I don't want to ruin the story because I want people to actually listen to that episode, but it's Yeah, the episode's really good and the phenomenal. book is tremendous. It's phenomenal yeah. because that's the storytelling and that's the story that's the depth and the context that you're able to get when there isn't constraints on what you're able to talk about. Yeah, you can go after a guy like David Epstein, yeah. who's got an unbelievable story himself. So who's your big ask in 2020 for season two? So we've got a couple on big the big ask. We've got a couple that one just got back to me today. So okay. I'm super excited about this one. His name's Kelly Starrett. Okay. And Kelly wrote Becoming a Supple Leopard. So for like mobility in the mobility world, he is the dude. And really? Yes. Yeah, so he's got a whole program now called the Ready State. And he's the Ready State on Instagram. So he's a big ask. And then one that we just recently locked down also was Coach Aaron Feld, who is the Oregon Ducks strength and conditioning coach, which awesome. I'm really excited about Aaron Feld. And he's the one with like the curly mustache. <laughs> he's got an unbelievable Instagram 
page and he's a great teacher. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. And then I also want to have more football players on mm-hmm. because I want those guys to share their lessons in the, in the lives that they lived. And I don't think the story of the man is told enough. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to hear more of that. Yeah. Is, is more of the lessons that they've learned and the stories that they've got to share. And Jamie, who's your big ask that he doesn't know about? Somewhere in the back of your mind. You know, I mean, that, that's the cool thing about podcasts is once you start doing it, you go, oh, I want to I want to know more about that story. Totally. Right? I really want him to have Philip Rivers on the podcast. Yes. And I please, know they speak a please. lot in private. I'll have him on. Phil's Absolutely. a pretty private guy. No, I want a long form three hour Joe Rogan yeah, style. I mostly deep with I really want to hear about the inner workings of a house with nine children. <laughs> it's a miracle. Really, as it's a mom, a, like a I can't. We I can't just think can't. Of three. No. Forget about that. No. Yeah, absolutely. So that's to me is like the story behind the man because everybody sees Phil as a fierce competitor, you know, and a great quarterback. But what I don't think they know is what an incredible man, husband, and dad he is. I so agree. you know, as yeah. He's a better human by far than he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. I, Which yeah. is saying something. It's saying a lot. Because he's pretty incredible. So yeah. that's who I personally, I want to hear that story. So 2020, Philip Rivers, we have some other incredible guests lined up. How are people, how can people find you on Instagram? Both, on in, both of your on accounts. On Instagram, at Nick Hardwick. And we've recently got a Instagram. Did you know? We have an Instagram for Finding Center Podcast. Yes. At Finding fantastic. Center Podcast. Awesome. And I'm yes. at... Jamie dot Hardwick. Well, you guys are incredible. I, I honestly, J-A-Y-M-E. Oh yeah. I'm everything we talk about, including the books, um, the episodes, those will all be in the show notes. Stover, my producer who's over in Portland does an incredible job doing that. We'll do a blog post. We'll also have a YouTube, um, behind the scenes. So you guys can check out, uh, renegade, uh, with our team blue vision here, but thank you for your honesty. Thank you for sharing with the internet. Thank you for being an incredible wife, an incredible husband, a credible leader, um, we're really excited to see what you guys do in 2020 and beyond. Thank you so you much. Awesome. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for the yeah, time. Yeah, this was awesome.